0: Mary's his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, by now you probably know who the wise men are. The wise men, the wise men from the east, the magi, were the associates of Daniel during his days when he was on the earth. In the book of Daniel, he talked about them, they were the the wise men that were, that were back there, and they had a lot of teaching and things that they would culminate, and Daniel came in and he brought in some of those teachings into the Magi, and so the Magi, at least some of them, were looking for a sign in the heavens because they constantly watched the heavens, and if you're here a year or two ago, I forget when it was, we talked about some of the things that star was. More than likely, that star was not necessarily a bright star. Some people are trying to say, you know, Jupiter was in a position, and Saturn or another planet came in and mixed with it, made a real bright star, and that's what got them to go. But something unusual had to happen in there. More than likely, what was unusual and why they kept talking about the star in the east was that this, this particular star was moving in a direction different than all the other stars. It was not going in the same direction that all the rest were. It was either staying still in a particular location in the sky, or it moved in a different direction than all the other stars moved. You ever seen those pictures they do uh, it's called a B setting on a camera for bulb. And if you use that and you hold the lens open and you put the camera pointing out towards the night sky and you just leave it open for a long time. And as the stars move, they make imprints on the film. And then you begin to see these long streaks on the on the sky. That's the path those things are moving. And apparently whatever was going on with this one, it was probably moving in a different path. And that's what got their attention. So they came and they brought gifts. There are not three wise men. The Bible never says how many there were. I've heard a couple of explanations for it. My father had had one. He said back in the um, medieval times, I think it was medieval times, when they made a painting, one person would represent a single person if it was in the painting. Two people would represent a few and three would represent a crowd. And so when they put three pictures of the wise men in some of these pictures... They weren't saying that there were three. They were saying there was a crowd of them in the, in the pictures. But anyway, we came down to having three. So just know <clears throat> the Bible does not say how many there were, just as a whole bunch of them came. Now, if you're bringing these wise men and all these, these golds, what else are you bringing with you? You've got to bring some people that aren't just smart. You've got to bring some people that are strong. You've got to bring some people that can defend all that gold and all that stuff they brought because they brought quite a bit of material for presents for this one. So they all come on out and they bring all this all this stuff. So when they come and they get Herod's attention because we're not just looking at three guys wandering around Jerusalem. We are looking at a crowd with soldiers and things to carry, gold. Gold's not light. How many are getting gold this Christmas? Is that just not something you put on your list or didn't think anyone would bring it to you if you did? We don't put gold on our list too much. It's a uh, kind of a pricey gift, isn't it? What's it go for now? Two fifty, two something of an ounce, or it's 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 up there. Fifteen hundred an ounce. Woo! That's a lot of money. That's probably why it's not on our, our Christmas list, huh? That's a that's a whole lot of money. And they came and they brought all kinds of gold. And they brought frankincense. And they brought myrrh. There is some significance to these particular presents. Gold is something, as you can imagine, that you would bring for kings. It's a pricey thing that you would bring. It costs, gold costs a lot of money. Cost a lot of money back then. Costs a lot of money now. And so they bring gold, but this is something you would bring for kings. They brought frankincense. Frankincense is an incense. And this was used by priests. Very often used by priests, and it represented the priestly ministry of Jesus. So we have the gold, which showed him as being a king. We had the frankincense, which showed him as being a priest. And the last one was myrrh. How many know what myrrh is used for? I'll give you a little, a little clue. Back in Jesus' day and before, the nation that imported the most myrrh would have been Egypt. Because this is a spice. This is a... No, this is a um, this is something that would come out of the east. So when they were bringing it, they brought something that they would have. But they were bringing it across these miles because what myrrh was used, it preserved dead people. So the Egyptians used it when they would make their preserve their mummies. It was an anointing. Something they would, that you would anoint people with. So in the myrrh, we have represented that Jesus was going to die. Now, it wouldn't be too far-fetched For the Magi to understand the significance of these gifts because the reason that they are here is because Daniel told them to expect it. And if Daniel told them to expect it, he would have also told them who he was going to be. That he was going to be a king, he was going to be a priest, and he was going to die a sacrificial death for mankind. And so when they put these things together, it wasn't by accident that they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But they brought it in large quantities. Now think about this. Jesus, his mom, Mary, his dad, Joseph, they come and this whole entourage comes with all of these soldiers, all of these things to carry, camels, whatever it was they carried all this stuff on. And they come to the house. They're not at the manger anymore. The wise men did not come at the manger. They're at the house and they bring all these gifts in. When the Magi leave, what do they take with them? The camels that were used to carry it and the soldiers that were used to guard it. One of my unanswered questions about the birth of Jesus is with all of that gold, frankincense, and myrrh now in the home of Jesus, what did you do to guard it? See, you can't just run it over to the bank, make a deposit, Hang on to this for me. They didn't quite have those same things going on. So what did they do with it? What happened to these gifts? Very likely, these gifts were used to finance the ministry of Jesus. They also helped finance the, the household in the beginning. But more than Jesus never never needed money, apparently. He always had money to do what he was going to do. And so more than likely, these gifts helped to finance the ministry of Jesus for the three and a half years he was going Remember, he had a treasurer and they had so much money in the treasury that Judas could steal from it and no one noticed. But you got the gold, you got the frankincense representing the priestly ministry of Jesus. He was king and priest. And you have the myrrh. Now the myrrh is for the, the uh, death. Do you remember what Mary... And the other ladies were doing after Jesus died on the cross? They were doing something to get ready for when the Sabbath would be over. They were preparing the spices for his anointing, for his death. What do you think they were using? Probably using myrrh. So picture this. If Mary kept some of the myrrh that was given to her by the Magi for the death of Jesus. Can you imagine being Mary, the mother of Jesus, who was given at the birth something for his death? She knows that he's going to die for all mankind. And she, if she took that myrrh and put it someplace in the house, and every time she goes by, she sees that myrrh may have sold some of it off, but they probably could very well possibly have kept some of this for when he would die. Because this is not something that you get around town. This is something that's important. Can you imagine being the mom and every time walking by the box or vessel, whatever it is they put in, and every time it's telling you, your son is going to die. That'd be a little tough, wouldn't it? Hmm. But the the magi they came and they brought a I mean they brought gifts worthy of a king as blessed as some of your kids are going to be in the morning tomorrow they were not as blessed as this this is a lot of stuff they brought in here for for Jesus they brought gifts that were fitting for a king but I want you to notice this about the magi the magi could only bring what either they had or what they could get. In fact, the only thing you can give your kids, your friends, relatives, on Christmas Day, the only thing you can give them is either what you have or what you can get. Have you ever had that search for something and you just couldn't find it? We had this... uh, We had this come up yesterday. We needed needed something for one particular young man coming to the house. And the only thing that could be thought of was silly string. Silly string. How hard is that? So we went out, my wife went out to one store. None. No silly string. I went out to the Toys R Us. Silly string. None. None. Talked to a very nice manager who was very helpful. He said, Let me go upstairs and see if I have any up there. He went upstairs and he came back down and he said, We have none. There's no silly string in here. We hit a few other stores. There was no silly string to be found. Now, see, you can only get what you can acquire. You have to be able to get it. If you're going to give it, you have to be able to find it, buy it. You know, every year it seems like they have those particular uh, presents. What was it, one year? The Tickle Me Elmo was the big craze. Everybody wanted to get a Tickle Me Elmo and nobody could get them. And then some people got them early and then they were selling them on eBay at three, four times the price and getting it. (laughs) Yeah, they made a whole, didn't they make a whole Christmas movie out of that? The big guy was in there, Arnold. I haven't seen that one in a while. Jingle, is that what it's called? I remember something about that, and all trying to get the, the, the one toy. Well, we, I, I was able to finally find the, the, the um, item. took a little while to, to find it. It was not at a dollar store, and apparently it was too valuable to be at a dollar store, at least according to Five Below. Yeah. Five Below had it, but it was not a dollar store item. So we got a, a bunch of the things that were in there. I mean, they had a whole case of it. I was ready to walk out with the entire case. And then I saw how much they valued it. And I said, we don't need the whole case. We'll, we'll get some of them. But we don't need the whole case. Apparently, that must be a big item at Christmas time. But you see, the only thing you can, you can give are the things you can get. And no matter how powerful or how rich you are on this earth, the only thing that you can possibly give someone else is what is on The earth. That's all you can do. You can't do anything else. You can't give anything else. The magi were of the earth. That's their only source for gifts are the things that are of the earth. They got the best they could on the earth. Gold. Frankincense. myrrh. They got things that were useful for this particular child. Now God doesn't have this limitation. The greatest of the earth can only bring the greatest on the earth. But that's not our God. The greatest of the earth can only bring the greatest on the earth. But our God is not of the earth, which means he has access to things that are greater. Greater. Should turn over to me Matthew chapter 6, this is not a Christmas passage, but one you may be familiar with. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So he says here, don't lay up for yourselves treasures that are here on the earth. When you open up your presents tomorrow, all the things that people got for you, and you open them all up, I hope you're waiting for tomorrow. (laughs) But you open up all the presents. The only place that you can put them It's somewhere on the earth. More than likely, it's going to be somewhere in your house. Maybe it's a garage item. Maybe it's a car item. But it's going to go somewhere on the earth because that's all you can do. So, when you go on into heaven, where's that gift going to be? It's going to stay right here. That's where it's going to stay. It's not going to go with you. And we all know that. And we all know the matter what we get tomorrow it will eventually go away. It will eventually get ruined or damaged. If you get clothing, you might even get a moth that gets on it. How many of you all have ever, ever I I've, I've thought this for the longest time until many, many years ago when somebody enlightened me as to that this was not the issue. How many of you all think moths eat wool? Yeah, they don't eat wool. I was amazed at that. A dry cleaner told me that they don't eat wool. They don't? No. Have you ever put your stuff in a, in a cedar cabinet or uh, what's worse, mothballs? How many of you ever put their clothes in mothballs? Oh, they smell like mothballs forever. <laughs> How do you get rid of the mothball smell? Then every time you go somewhere, you smell like mothballs. Then you don't want to wear the thing anymore. It doesn't matter if the moths didn't eat it. You don't want to wear it anymore. It's terrible. That's so all I was talking to. I don't even know how we got on it. We were talking to him about it, and I, I think I had taken a, a wool winter coat, and I brought it to him. and Says, you know, I want to keep this so the moths don't get it, and so do you have anything, you know, you can seal it in. Or and oh, you don't need to do that at all. All you need to do this is if you don't know this, this is all you need to do if you want to preserve anything that is wool or that has been eaten by moths before. All you need to do is make sure it's clean, because the moths don't go after the wool; they go after the food that's spilled on your clothes and you just didn't see it. And they actually try and eat the little specks of food that get splashed on your coat and on your pants and things like that. And that's what they eat. That's why they just eat little spots here and there. I thought, that is fascinating. I had no idea about it. Now, that's not my expert opinion. That was a dry cleaner. If it's wrong, it's on them. (laughs) So I just kept that in mind and I just try to make sure that whenever we go into the winter... I make sure that everything is clean so that it's, uh, the moths don't go out there and, and, and pick that stuff up. But moths come in and they can destroy stuff. How many of you have ever had something really nice that a moth got in and made a hole in it? It's like, oh now you can't wear it anymore. It's ruined. Something got Water got in something and made it rusty. Something happened to those things. He says, don't, don't do that. He says that if you put all your stuff here, that's where your treasure is. That's where your treasure is going to be at. It's, uh, don't, you don't want your treasure here. If you make your treasure here, then you will be afraid to leave this place. But if you have your treasure someplace else that you're going to, you won't be afraid about leaving. Death won't be a, a fear. Glory to God, I'm going to go on and I got better stuff up there, that I have down here. Now look at what else he says here. He's going to go on, verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, or you cannot serve God and money. Stuff. Can't do it. So either you're going to serve God, or you're going to serve stuff. Either you're going to try and get things, or you're going to serve God. That's what he's basically telling you right there. Make sure your master is is the one. We're not getting into all these things, all the details of this just kind of reading over this this quick. Therefore I say to you, verse 25, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now you take a look at most of your concerns. Most of the concerns that we have are in this area. What am I going to eat or what am I going to drink? Because you've you got to have substance for your, for your body. What am I going to put on? What am I going to wear? What kind of clothes am I going to put on my body? Because number one, we like to be covered up. Number two, we like to be warm. How many like to be warm? So we've got to have clothes that are going to keep us warm when it gets cold. I saw the weather report coming up for this week. Did you all see that? Where did that come from? <laughs> My. We got a couple of single digits coming up in the, in the forecast there. I know it's supposed to be. It's winter. Nothing surprising there, but still, if we can have days like yesterday, even if it is rainy, 50 degrees is nice. I like 50 degrees. We'll, we'll take that. But we got some cold things. So when we got those cold temperatures down, how many of you are all gonna be glad if you had a winter coat put on your Christmas list and you get to have that to pull out? Get something warm, pull it out, put it on. Because you like to stay warm. He says, look, don't be concerned about the stuff that you wear, don't be concerned about the stuff that you eat. Don't be concerned about the places you will live. Most of our concerns, folks, and why we have a job, is because I want to pay for a place to live, I want to pay for clothes to put on, and I want to pay for stuff to eat. Those are your main motivations for going to work. May not be all of them, but that's that's a lot of them. You want to have stuff for you, stuff for your family. He says, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of much more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, Seek first the kingdom of God. It's easy to say. We know this verse. We throw it out every once in a while. But he says, Seek first the kingdom of God. Now, most of the time, folks, when we are making prayers and asking God for things, most times we are not praying in such a way as to seek God first. I put a little acronym, and I apologize. I left off the letters, but I, I sort of gave them to you. You're going to be able to figure this out. Here's the thing about... Today, many Christians pray with the end in mind. How many have ever heard the the phrase, begin with the end in mind? Anybody heard that before? All right, you folks are time management people because it's time management people who teach that sort of stuff. Begin with the end in mind. Well, most people pray with the end in mind. Here's what we do. And those little blank lines you got there, you can put E on the first one, N on the other one, and D on on the third. This will help you remember this a little bit better. Here's what we do. We pray for what is essential. Don't we? I pray for what is he said. What those things that I need. Father God, I, I need money. Is it not essential that you have money? You need money to pay rent, you need money to uh, to uh, buy food. Money is kind of essential. And so a lot of times our prayers are around getting money. Father God, I need a I need a job. I need to raise at my job. I need and we talk about the things that are essential. These are things that I have to have it. I need to have these things in order to keep on going on. Here's the second one. First one is what is essential. Second one is what is needed. All right, these things are essential, but how many of you all have some needs out there? All right, you could live without it, but life is a whole lot easier if you had it. All right, it may not be essential that you have a car, but how many of you would still say, I need a car? I need a car. Some of you might say, I need a good car. I need a different car. But we get to that place where, oh, you know what? I need a car. I need to get to work. And we kind of throw around this, this me thing a little easy. Don't we? Your kids do it. I mean, we did it when we were kids. Mom and Dad, I need a Nintendo. <laughs> Have you ever heard that? I need it. I, 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 just, I need it. Got to have that. And we, you look at their Christmas list, do you really want one? I need, I need that. And so we're not quite as well-versed on the things that we need, but there are some, some things, that it's not essential, but it is a need. It is a need. Now, how many of you, if you lived in a house, a three-bedroom house, one bathroom, how many of you could say, we need... More bathrooms. <laughs> need more bathroom. One bathroom, not enough. This is not good. We need more bathrooms. Now, it's not essential, right? You can get by with the one bathroom. But you've tried it and it's not working real well. So we, therefore, we need. So this is the difference between what is essential, you cannot live without, and something that life is a whole lot easier if I could get one of these. If I could get a house with Two bathrooms. If I could get a house with three, three bathrooms. Oh wow! Who was who Just sold a house. I saw this mansion. It was being sold. Um, somebody famous. Um, Can you think of what it was? But it had six bedrooms. Was it six bedrooms? And 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 many more yeah. bathrooms. Yeah, it was six or seven full bathrooms and four or five half-bathrooms. and There it is. Thank you. I knew it was somebody famous. Cole Hamels just sold his mansion. Actually, didn't sell it. He gave it to an uh, organization that was uh, actually a, a non-profit that's actually helping people. And so he gave them this. Uh, I don't know how many, how many bedrooms. Do you remember how many bedrooms that was? It was a lot. It was a lot. And I, it was, I think it ended up at 13 total in the bathroom area. That's all. In one house? How many wanted to live there? Now just remember, you have to clean all 13. Just remember, keep that in mind. I don't need 13. Three will do, right? So we're getting down to the, to the needs. Even when we're going out and we're shopping for a house, we may dream of five bedrooms and four baths until we see the first day. And then we say, you know, I don't really need. I can... I can scale that back to, I can get by with three bedrooms and two and a half baths. We can, we can do that. So we've, we've scaled down our need. But that's our first two things. What is essential? What is needed? Here's the third one. What is desired? What is desired? You may have a, a need, for the, but how many of y'all know there's some desires that you have? How many of you ladies have a desire for a particular, maybe a fur coat? (laughs) Maybe you like fur coats. I don't want a fur coat. I don't like fur coats. It's not an animal thing. (laughs) It's not what I want. But I know some people really like the fur coats. And they just feel so warm in one of those. Or a nice down coat to get you ready for the the wintertime coming up. Or, I have boots, but oh, I saw these boots. Oh, they were so good. They were, they were great. You have a desire for, for some things. I mean, you can get by with what you have. I don't need this particular thing. But oh, it would be nice. I have a car, but I desire it different. I want one that's bigger. I want one that has leather on the inside. I want one that when you close the door, the world stops. <laughs> this, this is what we want. This is what we want. It's what we desire. Now, some desires are, are kind of out of our reach. Some desires are, well, I could probably get that. I have a, I could get there. I desire a vacation that doesn't involve my home state. Like a vacation where I go somewhere. You have a desire. So there's there's some desires that we can have. But this is where we we end up. We pray for those things that are essential. We pray for those things that are needed. And we pray for those things that are desired. But then we also bring in a whole other case of of things in. And... um, these are things that are going to kind of buffer down what we have. We think we must keep our request to what? And you tell me, if you're, when you're praying to God, you don't think this through. I need to pray for what is practical, feasible, and beneficial. Think back to some of your prayers. And you're asking God for this particular thing. Father God, you know, I've been driving around that old clunker of a car for a long time, and I could really use a better car. And if you give me a better car... And we begin to go over the benefits to the kingdom of God. Just think of all the people I could pick up and bring to church. Right? Just think of all the meals on wheels I could deliver if I had a better car. We begin to list all the beneficial reasons for why God should come and grant us our request, because it's got to be some kind of beneficial reasons. Uh, it needs to be feasible. We've got to see that you know, there's a feasible reason for God to come through and to, to do this. Uh, it needs to be practical. If I'm going to get this, it's got to have some use to it. Now, you've all, a lot of you folks have been parents. And as a parent, if your child, four, five, six-year-old child, makes up their Christmas list, and on that Christmas list is a pair of warm boots for the winter. Four, five. Or six, a pair of warm boots for the winter. I would like some sweaters. <laughs> Has that been on any four or five year, six year old Christmas? I would like to have some sweaters. Uh, I could use some school supplies. You know, I'm, I'm just about filled up my notebook. I could really use a new notebook and maybe some pencils. That's too practical, right? You as a parent are not looking at your child's Christmas list or birthday wish list and looking at it for how practical it is or how beneficial it is. When they come up there and they say, I want one of these, and you say, man, that'll be broken in a week. How many of you still go out and get it? Sure we do. Why? Because I love to see the joy on their face when they open up and they see that particular thing. Now, not everybody is in this place. But if you're not, eventually you will be. There is a whole nother area of gift-giving that we have recently come into. And that is the gift-giving of a grandparent. (laughs) Because you see, what few things would limit you as a parent because of its practicality and its beneficial nature. It goes out the window. 100% completely, we do not think or care how much noise the present is going to make. What we care about is what do they look like when they open it? Look at that new set of drums. And it's still up at their house. (laughs) Why is it that we think that God cares about the practical, beneficial feasibility of the thing that we want when we as parents and grandparents relish in giving frivolous things to our kids? We don't ever sit back and say, "Well, do you think they really need that? How long do you think they're really going to play with that?" Now, what what matters to you as a parent, and you're putting together that Christmas list? How much joy are they going to get when they open this up? How much joy? And why do we put something else on our our God, our Father? How much joy does God get when He gives gifts to His kids? He doesn't have to do a feasibility study. Michael, can we afford this? He doesn't have to do that. But sometimes we run our, our things through this. How practical, how feasible, how beneficial. And we try and go through the whole list And as we get out of the four, five, and six-year-old stage, we get up into the teens, how many of us try and start to make our case for why we should get the particular present that we put on our list? Well, I have been very good this year. And I've been going out, and I've been doing some yard work, and see, we're starting to get into that. We've been trained. And we begin to, to look at all these things. Don't need to be doing it. Why don't you take a look at some of the things that Paul would ask for for the people that were around him. In in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be... Now, what's he doing? We do not cease to pray for you. That means if he's praying for them... He is asking for things of God for them. On their behalf, he is going before God and he is asking for things for them. Now, look at some of the things that he's asking for. We do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. That you may be filled with the knowledge of his will most Christians were praying for things like, Father God, I need to rent money. Father God, I need electric money. I need money to pay off the electric bill. I need money to pay off the phone bill. I need money to, to pay for this particular thing. I don't, I don't have the money. They're going to turn this service off. I'm not going to have any water. I'm not going to have any electricity. I need a place for the kids to be. And we're, we're praying for things that are down on this earth. And we're asking someone who has access to things that are greater. But I I limit my request to I need money. I need to pay this. I need clothes. I need food. And we're praying for things in this area. But we're asking someone who has access to far greater riches than what this world has to offer. And we're limiting him to the things. Of this world. Paul doesn't do that. Paul goes beyond this world. And he says, I'm asking these, these things for you. I'm not asking that your rent be paid. I'm not asking for the electric bill to be paid. I'm not asking for you guys to have more clothes. I'm not asking for you guys to be fed. I'm asking different things. And these are things that are not of this world. Here's the first one. That you may be filled with the knowledge of His will. When was the last time you asked God to fill you with the knowledge of His will? When was the last time you said, God, I just want to know more about Your will. I want You to fill me with the knowledge of Your will. That may not be high on our request list, to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. When was the last time that you said, God, I need to be wiser? I need to know more things. I want to understand more things. I want to have the wisdom of God in my life even greater than it has been. I want to have more understanding. That's why we put that quote in there. It's an old quote. Probably one you don't know about Where Brother Creflo Dollar says it all the time. I love hearing him say that. In all you're getting, get understanding. It will change your life if you can get understanding. We We already know that. How many remember back to algebra class? How many remember thinking this? I don't understand it. I don't understand it. How many have watched every Christmas movie that they wanted to watch this year? How many still have a few in your list you didn't see? All right, a couple on the the list. We did, uh, I told you before, we did sit down and we watched one of the greatest modern day Christmas movies. Of course, I speak of the Santa Claus. (laughs) And we like the guy from Numbers. Who's in there, plays one of the head elves. And I love his line when he's trying to explain the whole Santa Claus concept to Tim Allen. And you remember that one point where he gets real frustrated? And he turns to him. What does he say? I can't remember his words. Do you remember what it was? I don't remember what it was. It's, try and understand this. I think it's something like that. It's something along those kinds of lines. Because he's not understanding it. He keeps explaining to him the Santa Claus, and he's not understanding the Santa Claus. He's just not getting it. How many times have we been in algebra class? We've been in English class. And they're breaking down sentences. And they're showing you the first person, the, the noun, the verb, the, the clauses that are in there. And how many of you have said, I don't understand? Because if you understood, it'd be easy. But I'm not understanding. How many of you have been in physics class? And there's teaching things inside physics class and you, I don't understand. I don't understand it. Now, we all have certain areas where we have great understanding. People can say things to us in a particular, and we, I get it just like that. No problem. And other areas where, say that again. All right, go over again. real real slow. I'm still not getting it. Tell it to me again. And we're just not getting it. Just not understanding it. It's so much easier when people are talking about something that i have something in there to grab hold of something that i can relate it to and i can understand so much easier do you know one of the things here that paul was praying for these people is that not only would they grow in all wisdom but spiritual understanding have you ever read parts of the bible And said, "I don't understand." Ever had that? Read part of the Bible. I don't understand. Now, when we're in English class, and we say, and I said this many times, because I really don't understand why I need to break down a sentence. It has never come up in my adult life ever, where someone was speaking to me. Now, that was the noun. And there were two verbs in there. And then there was the adverb. Never had had to do that. And knowing all that didn't help me. Didn't help me one bit. To understand what it was they were saying. But we still had to go through it. If I could understand the reasoning of how this is going to benefit me, how many of you would apply yourself more? But I don't understand how this is going to benefit me. How is this going to help me out? And if I could understand how this was going to benefit me, then I would apply myself more to understanding it. How many went through algebra class and never understood how algebra would ever benefit you, ever? In any job, in any place. Anybody at all? A couple of people? Why do I I need this? Why do I have to bring this stuff in? Why is studying Egyptian history going to help me? How does that happen? Because I don't have that understanding, I'm letting those things go. If you could have the understanding of what Scripture is saying and the understanding of how it would impact your life. And it could make your life better. Wouldn't we apply ourselves more? If somebody came up to you and said, I have an algorithm, and it took me a long time to get this going, but I have an algorithm that will every single day predict the pick six lottery numbers. I have followed this for the last year since i perfected it. And it has been right every single day. The problem is, I am so rich now. I just don't need to mess with it anymore. And I'd love to give it to somebody and explain to them how this works. Because if you can understand how this algorithm works, you will be able to pick the lottery winning numbers every day single time that they are picked now how many would be motivated (laughs) I can understand how this is going to benefit me therefore I am going to apply myself and I am going to get this down and I am going to learn how this algorithm works and I am going to figure this out so that I too can pick the lottery winners And become so rich that I don't care about money anymore. But you see, we don't understand that. And so we read over scriptures like this and we go, well, but God, I need some money. God, I I, I need this to go on. I need this fixed. We're focused on those things. I'm I'm not seeing how God can fix my life. I'm not seeing how these things help me out. I'm not seeing how knowing what Jesus taught will change my life at all. And because of it, I'm not putting the time in. I'm not applying myself. I'm applying myself to the things where moth and rust corrupt. But he even said, don't, don't put your time into those things. Put your time in over here. This is where you want to... This is where you want to go. That you may walk worthy of the Lord. If you got those things down that he just spoke of, you... It would would impact your walk with the Lord. And that you can actually have a walk that not only was God pleased with, but God says, that is a worthy walk right there. Man, that is, that's all right. How many of you like to hear that? I mean, if God's taking notice that you have a worthy walk, I think He might take notice of a few more things too. That you may... Walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him. All right, we can use our outside hands on this look. How many have felt over the past year, sometime over the past year, that your life did not please God? Mm Mm-hmm. Somewhere along the course of life, I know I didn't please God. What if you could live a life and when you got done the year, you'd be able to say, my life fully pleased God. Fully. And we're thinking, all oh, getting into pride. Surely no one could be so sure that their life pleased God that much that they could say that. I mean, somewhere, I must have messed up somewhere. What's he, what's he said? This is a prayer that made the Word of God. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. Get this, folks. It is possible to live a life that fully pleases Him. The enemy wants you to think, no, you can't do it. He's always going to be disappointed in something with you. Have you ever had a parent and you always felt like you were disappointing them? No matter what you did? All right, not you, people in the movies. You're watching the movie and you always know. Come on, even Hallmark does this. Even Hallmark has that. You know, they got the, 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 the man who's supposed to marry the girl and he's got the, the dad and the dad never happy with what he does. Always disappointed what he does. No matter what he does, he brings it to the dad and the dad says, not good enough. And you can just see the look on the young man's face and it becomes sad. What if you could have a life well, you didn't just please Him a little bit. You fully pleased God. Fully. Would that affect you? Fully pleasing Him. Being fruitful in every good work. How many of you ever felt like when you got finished today? day, well, this was a wasted day. Anybody ever say that? This is a wasted day. I mean, you worked hard. You did a lot of things, but when you look back on it, it said, I had nothing to show for it. Nothing to show for it. I mean, it feels like I did nothing even though I was busy from the time I got up to the time I went to bed. I was busy, 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 busy. But I feel like nothing got done. Being fruitful in every good work. Would you like it that your life could be such that when you got done today you could look back and say look at all that fruit. Look at all that good work that came out. Look, look, I changed the life of this person right here. Altered this situation. Good things came out of it. How many of you feel better going to bed at night, knowing that good things came about because of the stuff that you did? And that happens every day. Would that change your life? According to Paul, it's possible. Being fruitful in every good work. And increasing in the knowledge of God. Increasing in the knowledge of God. How much does God know? Can you you even come close to knowing everything God knows? Most of us will accept that. God knows far more than I will ever know. He just knows it all. God knows far more. If you could tap into some of that knowledge, the knowledge of God, if you could tap into some of that knowledge, would that change your life? Have you ever thought of going back in time with the knowledge of things you know now? Boy, if I knew now, back then, boy, would I have changed things. Yeah. knowledge changes things folks and you've even thought back times when you were in high school times when before high school and you, if I just knew about this these people wouldn't have bothered me the way that they bothered me I wouldn't have pursued these particular things I was having a conversation with somebody at the running group he's a newer guy we've been kind of chatting up the last couple of Last couple months, getting to know each other a little bit more. Well, this particular night, they had a shoe company come out. And when they have a shoe company come out, the shoe company, a lot of times, buys pizza and brings it out. And you don't have to pay for the pizza. And whenever they do it, other times, you got to pay for the pizza. And uh, be, they'll bring it in. I don't usually do it whether I'm paying for it or somebody else is paying for it because my wife is usually waiting at home for dinner. So I just excuse myself and, and go on. But whenever they bring a shoe company out and... Uh, uh, understand, this is the mentality of a lot of people that come out to the running group. So they have pizza and they have beer. And so they're all sitting around and, you know, they're drinking some beers and having their pizza. And there's this one guy, he was sitting over there, he was drinking a beer. And another buddy of mine, he was over here drinking a beer. And I don't drink a beer. Now, I don't drink, I don't not drink beer because of any spiritual reason. I don't drink beer because I don't like it. That's all there is to it. I don't like it. don't like how it smells. I have no idea how it tastes because I never tasted it. I don't want to taste it. I don't like it. So I don't drink it. If I did like it, then I have to bring in some kind of a spiritual reason if I didn't stay with it. But I don't need any spiritual reason. I don't like it. I despise it. I can't get it on my hands and function. It must be washed off. I am fine having dinner with muddy hands. I'm fine. But if there is a speck of beer on a finger, I must go and wash. That's just how it is. <laughs> Anything with any kind of alcoholic content, I cannot stand the smell of it. Have to get away from it. Just don't like it. So I, we we're sitting here having this conversation. He says, you going to go get a beer? I says, no, I don't drink. I don't drink. He says, you don't drink beer? I says, no, no. Never... Uh, I told him, I can't stand the smell of this stuff. He told this to me. He says, oh, I wish that was me. He says, I wish I could go back. This is his words. I wish I could go back in time and knew what I knew now. I never would have learned to like it. (laughs) He says, because when you first drink it, it's awful. That's his words. He says, it's awful. I can believe that. But anyway, he would like to go back in time. Can, can you think of the things you would like to do to go back in time and to change because of what you know now? Alright, now think of this. If you have the knowledge of God, you can right now change what will affect your future. And you can make your future better because of the knowledge of God you have right now. But what we pursue more is the knowledge of Facebook, the knowledge of news the knowledge of Google we pursue a lot of these other knowledges much more so than we do the knowledge of God but the thing that will change you is the knowledge of God it will change your future it will alter you into a better state if you will pursue it this is what he's telling them right here being fruitful, in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might. Have you ever felt like I cannot go on? I cannot go. I can just can't do it anymore. I'm done. Tired. I give up. I quit. Have you ever felt like that? Strengthened not with your might, but with His. With His. How many have ever jumped in a pool to do laps? Nobody jumped in a pool? You never tried to do laps? Never even tried it? Man. I have. I've jumped in the pool Done. Tried to do laps. You know, and I am not built to be a swimmer. I'm just not built that way. But what if you could have the strength of Michael Phelps? Mark Spitz for some of you folks go further back what if you could go with their strength and enter the pool empowered by their strength you didn't do anything that they did but you just take all their strength and could focus it in this woman strengthened with all might you're going to be strengthened with the might of God the might of God is going to come in and strengthen you make you better make you stronger how many of you could do some stuff Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. Not your power, his power. For all patience. All right, how many here? You ran out of patience yesterday. (laughs) The day before? And the day before that? And the day before that. How How many can remember the last day you did not run out of patience? Now think about this. The TV remote's not responding. What do you do? How many of you, the answer is very patiently push the button until it finally works? How many do that? How many are... It's more like this. Because... We don't have patience. Now you take that out on a remote control, it's one thing. When you take it out on one of your kids. When you take it out on your boss. When you take it out on a coworker. When you take it all out on the police officer who pulled you over. How many can know this is not going to be good? Patience would be good. What's he saying this? For all patience and long-suffering. How many have ever prayed, Father God, I want to be able to suffer longer. Anybody ever made that prayer? I want to be able to suffer longer. And yet every day we go through suffering. If we have kids, are your kids putting you through suffering? If you are married, you have in-laws. Have your in-laws put you through suffering? If you live in a neighborhood, you have neighbors. Have your neighbors ever caused you suffering? If you work in a building with other people, how many co-workers have ever caused you suffering? And if that hasn't gotten you yet, how about this? Have you ever worked in a place where people come in to buy stuff? It's called retail. Anybody ever hear? not worked retail. Ever. A couple of you people have been blessed. (laughs) Preaching to the choir for the rest of them. All you folks that have worked retail, you know what I'm talking about. Those people that are out there coming in to buy stuff, have no patience, no long-suffering. They... And, and, and people, did they have no, no long time. I don't know if I told you this story or not, but I was, I was coming back from, from a place and I went to buy stuff and um, there was nobody to check me out. Nobody to take my money. Nobody. And people saw there was nobody to take my money and they made apologies. I'm sorry, we'll get somebody over here who can take your money. They didn't say it like that. But... And I had to wait all of one minute and 30 seconds for the person to leave from where they were to come over there. They were so apologetic and so ready for me to fly off the handle that they gave me stuff for free. Wow. <laughs> I wasn't flying off the handle. I was fine. I even told them, says, don't worry about it. I've been driving for a while. This is good to stand up for a little bit here. I'm doing just fine right here. I can just stand here and just wait. And, um, but people are so used to people being hostile. What if you could suffer longer? And still keep your cool and be patient. Would that alter your life? Ah. You see, Paul is praying for some good things for these folks. And apparently, if you can suffer long, there's a blessing on the other side. I'll tell you this almost every single time I've been in a situation and I have suffered, so called suffered. And been patient about it, reward has usually come. People are just so glad that you're not flying off the handle and throwing things. That they they just like to give you stuff. But even if they don't give you anything, that's fine. You're just still doing better. For all patience and long suffering. Now look at this one, last one. With <laughs> joy. With joy. Here's how most of us suffer. Hi, how are you doing? And inside we're thinking this, right? You just do just one more time. Just one more time. I will take your head off. But outside, what are we doing? And is there anything else that you want with that? Would you like fries with that? It's been a pleasure to serve you. Right? Inside we're saying... I could kill you right now. (laughs) See, that is not long-suffering with joy. (coughs) That is just long-suffering. But he's talking about that you would have long-suffering with joy. Can you imagine? Imagine this. Your kids, your neighbors, your in-laws, your retail people are putting you through suffering and all it does is bring joy on the inside. You just get happier. Glory to God, this is so good. Mm. There's a sweet lady at the bank that I go to. And I keep going to the bank because this lady is just so stinking sweet. <laughs> I mean, she's just sweet all the time. She's just nice. My mom knows her. She knows my mom. She put it together. Oh, that's your mom over there. Yeah, I have invited her out to church. One day she is going to come. I invited her out to come out for Christmas Eve service, but she had a place to be, and and couldn't come. So we're going to get her out here one of these times. Every time I go on through, she just she remembers everything about everybody. Whoever comes through the drive-through, she knows who you are. She knows your you don't have to give them account numbers. Nothing. She knows who your grandkids are, who your wife is. Oh, knows it all. Remembers it constantly. I remember coming through and she just was looking ragged, beat up. And she said, Oh, I'm so glad to see you. I said, What is wrong? The customer who's here before you. Oh, and they did not treat her very well. My thought is, How can anyone treat you who is so sweet and so kind? all the time who tries to do everything you can. How? Well apparently people are out there and they can just treat even the nicest of people very nasty. Because when she comes out and you get to meet her you will say man she is nice. (laughs) She is very nice. Very sweet person. But still people can do that. So don't don't be thinking just because people treat you nasty that's because you are a nasty person. Because they can treat some of the nicest people some of the nastiest ways. But when they treat you nasty, here's what this prayer is saying. You will be filled with joy. Can you imagine that? Someone treating you nasty and instead of it making you angry, it fills you with joy. How many want to get a hold of that? How want to get a hold of this secret? I, I want that. Whatever that is, I want some of it. I want a lot of it. And Paul just prayed that right there. And yet... Here's most of our prayers. I'm praying for what's essential. I'm praying for what's needed. I'm praying for what's desired. And yet, none of it is this stuff. I'm praying for things where moth and rust corrupt. I'm not praying for these things. Because, you see, when you get to that place where you can be patient and long suffering with joy. As that joy mounts up on the inside of you, guess what is going on to your account up there? Stuff. is being added to your account in heaven. Your closets in your mansion are being filled. Shoes are filling up. Cars in the garage. I don't know what kind of stuff you have up in heaven, whatever it is. (laughs) It is filling up. Because this is just one prayer. One prayer Paul prayed. You go to Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 3, you'll see two other prayers. One prayer. For all patience, long-suffering, with joy. One more verse. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Can you imagine being in situations that are causing your patience to need to be at a supernatural level. Causing your long suffering to be at a supernatural level. Producing joy and not only that but you are sitting there giving thanks. Glory to God this is so good to be here and to be alive. And to be here with you people. I am so enjoying this. And see that's ailing us. Because what we have done. is We have not made an effective Christmas list. With God the Father. Our Christmas list is for stuff you can find in Sears and J.C. Penney. It's stuff you can put into the bank account. What Paul is talking about here, you cannot buy at Sears. It is not available on the internet, and no Google search will come up with it at all. But he is ready to give it. Your Christmas list for God. What things does it include? Because it could include things like this. And Paul said, How often did he ask this? He asked this on a, a non ceasing basis. Because no matter how much of the knowledge of God you have, you can have more. No matter how much supernatural patience you have, you can have more. No matter how much supernatural joy you have, glory to God you can have more. And it can just keep on increasing. And after a while, you just get to be a spiritual glutton. Glory to God, I am so filled with joy. God, give me some more. I'll take, I'll take some more joy. Have you ever been around people that have so much joy in their life it just seems to be spilling out of them? It's spilling out all over. Those are the kind of people you like to be around, you like to hang out with, you like to do good things for. Be one of those kind of people. Be the kind of people that people like to hang out with. Be the kind of people that people can't wait to bless you. People can't wait to do things for you, to help you. Because there's so much joy in you when they get around you and they help you. It spills out on them. And they get some extra joy there. This is just one prayer. We look at the things that he prays for. See, folks, we cannot see our most crucial necessities. The things I need the most, I can't see them because I am so attuned to the noise that my natural needs make. Or as Brother Noel put it, we are so attuned to the noise that our dirt makes. I am so attuned to what my body says, to what physical needs I have, that I can't hear all this other stuff. But if you could get in and see that these are bigger needs and a bigger payoff than anything going on there, if you could see that, you could change your life. What's your Christmas list look like for God? There's one list from Paul. That's a pretty good list, huh? He doesn't seem to be having any problem with keep putting things on there. Yeah, we want wisdom. We want knowledge. I want long-suffering. I want patience. I want joy. He's just putting all these things on there. Folks, this is what you can do with your life. Your life can change for the better. Stop asking for just those things. That scripture we looked at, didn't it say that God has no, knows that you need them before you even ask? If God knows that you need these things, which he are classified in the area of things that moth and rust corrupt, how much more is he aware of the needs you have here? And if I sit and say, talk with God, say, God, what kind of spiritual needs do I have? And God unloads on me and shows me some things that I need spiritually. And I can begin to ask, God, I want to grow in the knowledge of you. I want to grow in knowledge that is outside of this world and grow in knowledge that you are willing to give me. I want to walk in blessings like I haven't seen before. Joy, peace, patience, long-suffering. This will change my life. Would you all stand up for me? Glory to God. Father, I thank you that you have brought us to good places, great places. And that we can make up a Christmas list that you look forward to. That you would say, oh, I can't wait to bring those things into your life. I am so glad that you asked. Word of God says that we have not because we ask not. So Father, we're going to ask for these things and put them on our list, not just for Christmas but for other times during the year. That we would grow in these things. That we we would increase because our life will be made better because of them. I give you the praise and glory for. Every head bowed, no one looking around. If you're here today you say, I have focused too much on dirt, I have focused too much on things where moths and rust corrupt. I want to get my attention on the things that don't get corrupted get my attention on the things of God. The things that only God can give me. The things that are not of this world. Raise your hand. That's what I want, Father. I want those things. Glory to God. Well, Father, you see the hands that went up? Not only are we going to pray a prayer like this for ourselves, we can pray it every day. Or we're going to do the things that we know that are necessary. We're going to get around people that encourage us in our Christian walk. We're going to get around and hear the Word of God. And we're going to listen to our spirit because our spirit is one who's going to tell us what these things mean. Our spirit is going to speak to us. Holy Spirit communicating with our spirit to tell us what's going on. We thank you for it. We give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. So glad to have you here on this Christmas Eve. We are going to have our Christmas Eve candlelight service in just a couple of hours. So if you'd like to head on out somewhere and grab something to eat, we're going to meet back here about 2 o'clock for a Christmas Eve candlelight service. We're going to do the candles. I don't know how much they're going to light up the room. (laughs) But it's not going to quite that it is at nighttime. But we're going to have our Christmas Eve candlelight service at 2 so the people who are going further away don't have to go home and then come on back again. If you're here to pick up some presents... Uh, My daughter is in the back room where we're there, and she will meet you back over that way to uh, take care of that, and again, we're glad to have you as our guest here today. There is no service on Wednesday night. This is a week of hanging out with the family and being with them. We want to encourage you to do that, but we will be here next Sunday at uh, 10 o'clock and picking up on some some more things and prayers that we can be asking God for. Have a great rest of the week and bless some people. Look forward to seeing some of you back here at 2 o'clock.